Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, welcome back. Great to have you with us on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. We all know SMC stands for Somebody Motor Company, selling more cars, satisfying more customers. With that comes the need for many great behind-the-scenes employees. While they have many awesome technicians ready to serve you, believe it or not, they need more. When you have a great business that's 107 years old, you've earned it. They're looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work on their quick lane, car light truck service, heavy truck service, body, frame, and alignment, and towing departments. So whether you are an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for your first job, someone looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or you can call Todd at 286-7746. Our play-by-play call of the day, Jacob DeGrom is back. So here's his debut for 2000. 22. Robles 3 for 15 career against DeGrom, and that was close. 102. The two teams were playing each other at the deadline that Davey got traded. Swing and a miss on a diving slider. Swing and a miss. Cruz can't go down to get it. Number six for DeGrom. So here's his... That was bad news for the uh, National League East. He's back, obviously. All right, let's uh, get to our good friend Neil Kulong with a lot to talk about. Neil, welcome back. It is. I love this time of the year. Um, level of humidity in the air has a certain feel to it that kind of tells you it, it's... it's uh, it's the early beginning of football season. Um, things happen. There's real things to talk about. Um, almost really real things. This is still kind of padsless um, for the most part. What we know up to this point, yeah. uh, padsless practice. And for the Steelers, no significant injuries as of yet. So it, it's been uh, it's it's been fun to kind of sit back and see um, how the pieces that they've lined up are are working together uh, early in camp. And I, I think. Uh, there, there have been some positives, and it's uh, it's kind of exciting to see what maybe this team could do. Maybe they could sneak up on a few people. All right, so before we get to the Steelers, let's get to Deshaun Watson. Six games. The commissioner has to make a decision what to do. Um, what do you think he does? Um, it, it, I really think Judge Robinson served them up with the exact language um, that they would need if this was to go to trial. In other words, if they were to appeal to themselves, impose the punishment that they wanted, and the union 
sued the league over it, which is by everything that we've heard, what would happen uh, if, if the NFL did appeal. I think she gave them a, a fairly clear path to do that and, and be successful with it. Um, the union said that they weren't going to appeal. And, and you know, I think this is probably a, a better case scenario for their clients than, um, than anything else that it could have been. But overall, the, the way that I would see it, I, does the league want to appease Judge Robinson in the position that she is in, the position that they were 50% owners in, in having created, or did, along with appeasing the union to say we're, we're in this together, this is the process that uh, we agreed upon, we understand that we gave you the right to do this, but that doesn't mean that we're going to be real happy about it either. Or do they want to appease the fans who, whether or not they really understand how this whole process works, are, needless to say, not real happy with what they've seen up to this point. Um, I Honestly, I could see them doing either thing. I really could. For me, I, I really think for everything else that's going on uh, within the NFL and now all the Dolphins stuff that just <laughs> came out that they're going to have to talk about all season, I, I don't think they want any more than what they already have. And they already have a, a, a PR nightmare as far as Deshaun Watson, and that will follow him for, for the rest of the days. Um, I, I don't think they are, are really doing any – they're not doing themselves a whole lot of good by going through the process of um, appealing the, the decision and kind of creating a fire on that end um, and then going to court over the whole thing, which is going to make this thing drag on even more. This is, I, I've said this before, Steve, it, this is a rare instance in which the NFL really didn't have anything to do with the problems that they're in. Right. And I'm not sure how far they want this to go anymore because they have problems that they did cause that they have to worry about. That The Daniel Snyder issue is not going away anytime soon. The John Gruden issue is not going away anytime soon. Right. Now, they're, they're faced in, in the crosshairs of having suspended for a year a player for gambling on the game, yet not really doing a whole lot to the owner, who, in my opinion anyway, uh, did more to disrespect the integrity of the game than Calvin Ridley did. So to me, you, you've got to fight that fire next. That was something they always knew was going to come up. I, I, I guess if I had to bet, I'd say that they wouldn't just because the path of least resistance might be the easiest thing for them to do right now. I'm not saying that makes yeah. it right, but at the same time, the NFL is not a, a legal entity. They're not here to try this criminally. They followed the process that they have set up with the union. Um, they wanted the longer sentence. They didn't get it for a variety of reasons we don't need to get into. They, they didn't get it, but they tried. That really is probably the image I think that they want yeah. uh, to maintain for, for the best outcome uh, in in a losing situation for everybody. The University of Michigan Business School is named for Stephen Ross. Um, I don't think they're going to use this as an example as to how to conduct business. Uh, <laughs> when you read all this, it kind of ties in a little bit with the Belichick tweet to the quote, the wrong Brian. Something tells me he knew what was going on. I just, it, the whole thing is just like, I, I can't, I can't fathom a world in which there are people in in levels of remarkable influence and power 
that are so utterly clueless about the things that they do day to day. You hear the rumors, you, you know, you met with Tom Brady or whatever. You kind of think that like, you know, they met on a golf course at some point, maybe it came up, but that's not really binding or anything. No. In fact, he sat down, had a business meeting with him and offered him ownership of the team. Like in what world do you think that's a good idea? He didn't need to do that. It's way ahead of when you're supposed to do that. And the ramifications of getting caught, whether how serious this meeting was, the, the ramifications of that are significant. And still, I'll, I'll still contend that they got slapped on the wrist for, for the most part. It yeah. really, it, it, it's it, the, the brazenness of it, I think, is probably more why. The, if you look at it just tampering, and tampering um, legally is defined as simply as, as what I suggested in the hypothetical golfing situation. Right. They got together on a golf course. And they were talking about it uh, during a tournament that they were both yeah. in, uh, ir- irrelevant like, of each other. Like say, say a quarterback for the Detroit Lions is vacationing in the same hotel as the head coach of the Rams in Mexico. And it's they ha- reasonable, and yeah, they happen it, to meet. Gee, <laughs> which it, is it's what reasonable <laughs> that it would come up that they would chat, and you kind of expect a certain level of professionalism, as in. Yeah. They're not bringing in the lawyers and the agents to hammer out a contract while they're there. That's all top secret. But that's kind of what Ross did. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's just it's completely bizarre to me that you, you have to give weight and credence to everything. And my only thought now, as far as Ross goes, it, it's more like, you know, he, he's he's owner super fan and he's just kind of trying to fit in with the guys like, hey, guys, you know how we, how we can get better? Let's just lose games, okay? If we lose games, we get a good draft pick. Let's go do it. Ha ha, that's yeah. that's funny. Right. You know, hey, by the way, I got a I got a secret quarterback coming to you guys, all right? I'm gonna I'm gonna reel him in for you. Yeah. Just being kind of a, a, a mutton head about the whole thing. I, I can't it, it, maybe that's just me. I just I can't envision a scenario that he really thought none of this was gonna be a problem. And on top of it, he won some games, which was always kind of my thing. I, I don't think that Miami played as if they were trying to lose. I don't think in Brian Flores has said as much. He didn't try that. It just looked like it early in the season. Yeah. He struggled quite a bit, as you might recall. That, that team was uh, team was pretty bad. But he, he got them going. By the end, they were playing some pretty decent football. Um, you, you respect that, and you think then, oh, they were tanking and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, that's what everybody says. You know, when there, there's a, a hot name in, in college that people want, you know, it's it, becomes alliteration time who can come up with the best um you know phrase to to signify that you really want to draft this player one overall that tank for Tua was the big thing now that obviously didn't work out very well as far as anybody's concerned considering who went behind Tua but the 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 whole idea that it would be that much of an emphasis to a point that he literally offered a hundred thousand dollars for every loss it it just it, it it boggles my mind of why you would do that anyway, even if it was a joke, which that's more or less what Ross said. I, I could see it being a joke more than a, a, a realistic offer of any kind. But if you're Brian Flores, you probably don't appreciate that a whole lot either. So I, I don't blame how it turned out. And ultimately you blame Ross for the whole thing because, well, he's the idiot that said it. That's just not something that you say. It's not a joke. It's not funny. And it does call into question the integrity of the league. And right now at a time where, close to billions of dollars are, are changing hands on a, a, a season to season basis. Uh, 
you know, with gambling, these are things that you just simply can't do. And for, for him to have done this many things, uh, it, it's, it's just ridiculous. I, it, it's funny to me sometimes. I can't yeah. believe how they run the operation that they do. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think as many highly qualified people as I know of in the NFL uh, represent the majority of people working inside the NFL. And oftentimes mm-hmm. it's kind of the owner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be sort of responsible for a lot of this mm-hmm. because he's one of them as, as well. All right. So the quarterback situation, it's only one weekend. What, nobody really has talked about Mason Rudolph. What are his chances? Honestly, I, I don't think it should be dismissed that Mason Rudolph is not capable of winning the starting quarterback position on this team. I also think, though, that if that is a possibility, the situation is probably a lot worse than people think that it is. Yes. You brought in the free agent quarterback, and while you know, we're certainly not looking at, you know, Johnny Unitas on the free agent market or anything, but Mitch Trubisky was, was the top option. I think that that's reasonable to say. Yep. Um, the Steelers signed him 46 seconds after free agency started. Mm-hmm. So clearly they, they had interest in this. Um, and they signed him to a contract that, you know, if you, if it really matters at that low of, of a dollar amount for a starting quarterback in the NFL, $3 million, uh salary this year. Rudolph got paid five last year. Keep that in mind. And Rudolph, or excuse me, Trubisky at seven and a half this year. I don't think the cost difference between the two uh, makes a huge difference for what they're doing. But you brought Trubisky in, not as a backup. You're not paying him backup salary. Um, Rudolph is obviously closer to that. You'd think that, that Trubisky would have the edge. If that's the case, then you'd think you know, the talk would be more about Trubisky. Uh, it hasn't been. So it really it makes you wonder, how far off is this? How low is the ceiling of this group? If Trubisky can't, you know, step up and, and uh, fairly obviously beat out Mason Rudolph, what do you have? And I'll, I'll go back to this again. I've said this a thousand times since March. When you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, in my opinion, that's what we're seeing. It's it's it, give credit to Rudolph. He's an experienced veteran. He's played within the offense. He knows the players. He's got a tactical advantage, perhaps over the first week before pads come on and you know you're doing your thing. Um, give him credit for doing what he should have done. You know he's he's there to succeed. It doesn't matter whether he starts or not. You you have to respect that at least. But if it's clearly obvious that. Uh, if we can compare these things apples to apples, which probably isn't true, but if we can compare them, Rudolph has been the guy uh, who's been better. Mm -hmm. And if it's that easy to see is the problem here that they picked the wrong quarterback in March is the problem here that the one you brought in, not any good, or is the problem really that neither of them are any good. And just one of them is standing out more than the other. You know, it's like you're in school, you get a 50% on a test. And your buddy got 28%. You, you both failed the test. One did better than the other. But is there a winner in that competition? Does it really matter? That's, that's what I'm worried about. And there's a lot of time left to go. It's, I don't think you know, that there's a, a, a sense of panic to this point. But I'm not sure, as competitive as they might be with each other, I'm not sure how competitive they are versus the market of NFL quarterbacks. And we've, we've seen 
over and over again. Um, when you're 15th, 16th in the league, you're, you're probably needing to be propped up pretty good by your offense. And that, I think, is really the, the pressure that the Steelers have right now. Um, are they able to get in a lot of new players, a lot of young players, uh, to a point where they can perform uh, above perhaps where they were drafted, how much they were signed for, uh, in, in order to, to keep this offense going because they just might not have it at the quarterback position. I, to me, that's the biggest question of, of everything. Mm. What do you think? I know that you know they tr- they're going to chart, and they are charting every rep. What to you is more important, uh, day-in, day-out practice or the three preseason games for the quarterbacks? I think practice. Um, the reason I say that is practice, the way they are practicing and the things that they're doing, uh, they're, they're working on installing their offense. They're going over all the things that they're going to do. That is much more similar to their practices during the season mm-hmm. than a preseason game is going to be. Um, that's not the best comparison, but what I know is they practice a lot more than they play in games. You need to have successful practices in order to have successful games. You don't ever hear anybody. We had a terrible week of practice. That's why we went out and scored 65 right, points. Right. It's probably not going to happen. If they show in practice that they can do these things uh, over the course of the practice, that to me would, would indicate a higher level of likely success uh, when it comes to the regular season, um, preparing for the games. Preseason games, um, they're they're going to get their looks. We're going to see things. I mean, we'll go back to this. I remember and that this isn't exactly fair, and I'm not trying to, to bring up a sore subject, but I, I remember being really excited to watch Dwayne Haskins in their right. last preseason mm-hmm. game last year against against Carolina. Right. We've seen some, you know, pretty. We've seen it, 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 several quarterbacks wearing the Steelers uniform in preseason games that never played football again. You know. Right. <laughs> In my opinion, Dwayne Haskins was on that level in that game. Mm-hmm. That was awful. Yeah, um, I, I can't necessarily say we should hinge everything for what we saw of Dwayne Haskins on that game, knowing that unless something goes wrong, we weren't going to see him again in the regular season. And for, for what the Steelers knew of that game and practice and everything else that, that comes with making that decision, they not only kept Haskins on that team, mm-hmm. but they gave him a significant raise uh, to be on this, at least to, to try out for this year's team. Mm-hmm. So they obviously didn't look at it like that. And to me, that kind of suggests practice probably has a little bit more value, but live reps are, are absolutely important. It, they, they're not going through the motions. There are things to be won and lost uh, for a lot of the players who are out there. And in the end, it, it's not just about the game itself. When you travel, you have to know how that all works. Uh, meetings in, in hotels, the walkthroughs, all of those things are those, those are internal team experience moments. You have to kind of show that you can do that and grasp what's being done, right. along with you know helping out with not planning necessarily, but you're sharing your observations when you're on the sideline, not playing. All those things play into you being a functioning member of a team, certainly as a backup or a, a, a you know, a, a deep roster guy. You have to show that you're getting everything that you're being given and you're going to be prepared to go out and play. Always intriguing, always fun. Thanks so much, Neil. Look forward to next week. That was another great segment. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong joining us on the show today. And he'll be back with us next Tuesday. We're at the time of the year where there's a lot of news going on. 
course, a lot of it's been off the field with Deshaun Watson and Stephen Ross. But there's also plenty going on the field as well. And uh, so we'll... uh, It's interesting, I was talking to somebody the other day, we'll talk about the Eagles here for a second, about Miles Sanders, and they were talking with Miles. And if you notice, Miles is a slimmer version. It's made him quicker. And... uh, making a difference for him. All right, next half hour, Bob Lombardi. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back, and today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 Hubble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. We all know SMC stands for Sunbury Motor Company, selling more cars and satisfying more customers. With that comes the need for many great behind-the-scenes employees. While they have many awesome technicians ready to serve you, they need more. Because when you have a great business that has a 107-year reputation for being outstanding, you're busy. They are looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, car light truck service, heavy truck service, body, frame and alignment, and towing departments. So whether you're an experienced technician, entry-level technician looking for your first job, or someone looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or call Todd at 286-7746. All right, we've talked college football, we've talked media, We've talked NFL. Now let's talk high school. Bring in Bob Lombardi from the PIAA. Bob, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Good, Steve. How about you? Doing great. How's the golf game, by the way? Um, When I'm with Ken Miller, it's really good, but you can't play with Ken Miller. He's in another, another world. Uh, well, Kenny's just—in fact, I saw Kenny ten days ago. We were talking about you. Uh, he lo- he loves your game, by the way. So I'm the same way. I'll, I'll get out there with Greg Nye, the golf coach, and Greg will say, "We'll try this and try this." And like when the round's over, I feel a lot better. But then the next time I go out and I don't have him, <laughs> it kills me. <laughs> Name, image, and likeness—you've had to—you have 
in the PIAA have had to navigate a lot of different issues over the years. What's been the biggest challenge with this, especially based on Pennsylvania law? Well, our law right now speaks only to uh, collegiate athletes. So that that has helped, and it's also been maybe a potential problem. But we want to get in front of it because there's a lot of trickle-down effect. And we've been watching very closely our brother and sister state associations. And right now I believe there's 12 of them that have adopted an NIL policy, and there's another 10 on, on the drawing board. So the, the tough part about this, Steve, is the misinformation. Some people like to use catchphrases, and this has been thrown out there as pay for play, which it's not, and that has really caused some issues for us here. Yeah, and that that's what's interesting about is pay for play. And every state has different has a different uh, law or the interpretation. Quinn Ewers, who is now at the University of Texas, has always been really the poster child of what I'm about to talk about because he was as a high schooler, he would not be allowed to get any name, image, and likeness deals in Texas. So he reclassified and went to Ohio State for four months, five months, and then finally transferred to Texas as a collegian. Uh, so that's is there uh, when how often do you and state associations talk to each other about what the respective laws are in each state to get a better gauge? Well, we're fortunate. We're there's eight states in our section. We're section two of the NFHS out of the 51 state associations. And our brother and sisters are Delaware, D.C., Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, and ourselves in Maryland. And right now, um, they're all talking about them. Our, our friends to New Jersey have a policy. Our friends to the north in New York has a policy. Ohio defeated theirs, but the reason they defeated theirs from the information we have is because they put the onus on the school. Some schools thought they had approved this, and nobody wants to get involved in that. So our section talks weekly, and we have shared with them where we are with this, and it is really the the middle-of-the-road type language, Steve. And the other part of it is, we wanted to get in front of it because we don't want to see a student that's a senior get caught in uh, the net, so to speak, that uh, people are out there fishing for sharks and they catch dolphins. That's not a good thing. So we right. want to work with a group and provide education to moms and dads to know what they can be doing and what they can't. And paying students to play is not one of them. Right. Uh, is there any talk, Bob, in the Pennsylvania legislative system of expanding this so that high schoolers could be a part of a name, image, and likeness and not be pay-for-play, but expanding the definition of what they have in the state? 
I'm not aware of that, Steve, at this time. I'm sure there's conversation. But I think with that, with the eye on that a little bit, we would like to develop our own language that our member schools would like, that they're comfortable with, instead of having a top-down approach that you have to accept what is given to you. How would you feel about federal legislation? Where, where there would be a sense of unified law? Well, I, you know what? If everybody's singing from that same hymnal, I think that would be all right. But the NCAA has walked away from that and sort of dumped, you know, you talk to Dan over there in the football ops office or Matt yep. in the pit football ops office, they're going to tell you at the collegiate level it's like the wild, wild west. Well, heck, we don't want that to happen. We want to get in front of this and provide a proactive approach to mom and dad and guardians and families so they can make educated decisions and not get caught up in something as simple as tax implications or financial implications that students at 18 years of age aren't ready for. Exactly. Believe me, they're, they're adults of 28 years of age aren't ready for it either. <laughs> hey, we, we could go higher than that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We could go higher in a number than that in terms of the age. No question. Uh, so if you had a chance, based on talking to other associations, to craft an idea and send the PIAA in a direction. What the... I'm sorry, I lost you there for a second. If you, you've talked to enough associations within the states. Yep. Uh, what direction do you, idealistically, if you had a chance to sit down with the legislature, and you've had your chances, obviously, but to talk about this issue, what would be a couple of ideas that they would need to consider legislatively that could make a difference? Well, I think the language that we've come up with to not have school-employed or affiliated people with booster clubs or coaches, administrators, alumni, they cannot solicit, arrange, or negotiate or pay for a student's use of their NIL or even give consideration to the student for a use of their NIL, and not use school name, nickname, uniform, any school identifying apparel or involved with PIAA or their member school in it, that would be a really good start. And that's the language we have that we've sort of taken from California, New Jersey, and New York. It's real simple. It's the middle of the road, and we think that would be a great foundation to start with this. Right, let's look at the past year. We've, we've been slowly but surely working our way out of the pandemic. Some would say we're in an endemic stage. You staged championships this year with, with fans. How did you feel it went? But it went great. Moms and dads were uh, coming back in communities. I, I believe our crowds were better than they had been. Um, I think um, electronic ticketing so people can have an ease of buying a ticket rate at home or from their phone or computer helped. 
it helped them easily get that so they don't have to go to the school and buy one and have the exchange of paper money and those type of things. So I think I would say looking back on this school year, especially what we came out of a year ago, uh, was a very, very uh, satisfying year, even though there were a number of challenges. What did you learn out of out of the challenges of the pandemic that you're applying now because it was a learning experience? Number one, nothing's cast in stone. Yes, <laughs> it can yes. change, <laughs> change in a heartbeat, and you yes. better be able to uh, adapt and adjust and uh, restructure or whatever you think uh, is in the best interest of those involved because. We've had to do that for two years, really. And um, this past year was a lot better than the previous. Because, of course, the previous year, as you know, we had restrictions on uh, spectators and numbers and indoor facilities and the wearing of masks. And all. it certainly was a challenge for everybody involved. But, you know, like anything else, Steve, and you've seen this better than anybody, when challenges present themselves, people that are uh, doing things for the right reason bond together and put, put their uh, eye on the target and go get it together. No question. No question. What does it tell us about the popularity and the strength of high school athletics that when you have a bidding process for championships that you're getting a f- some fair competition out there to get it. What does that tell you about what the organization well, what the high schools have done? It's important. Athletics are a very important piece in every local community. And in some places, it's a, a major identifier for that community. And because of that, there's a lot of passion and emotion with it that sometimes is really, really good. And sometimes... You know, we get off kilter a little bit. And I guess that's, that's the reason that we've had certain policies and procedures since 1913 to take a look at those so we don't get off kilter. So when everybody does what they're supposed to do, it works. But I'll go back to one thing. Athletics are supposed to be fun. And sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we lose that focus for a lot of reasons. And whether it be advancement or uh, recognition or winning and losing and the, the, the things that come with it that way. But athletics are supposed to be fun. And I think the people that we have involved with it are fun, and they, they keep that priority right there. So true. I mean, it's so true, especially at the high school level. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, where are you right now with – Charter schools, um, non-public schools versus public schools. Do you like how it's been working integrated the way it has been, or is it something that you need to continue to revisit? Oh, I, I think it's, a, it's an issue that's never going to go away because I think there's folks out there that think people are lo- playing loose and fast. Uh, we haven't found that. Um, our competition formula that we put in four years ago, started six years ago, uh, discussion with it, uh, has worked. Our postseason sit-out and our transfer rule has been a major assistance in having people stop the breaks of 
transfers just the transfer or athletically motivated transfers and has helped, I think, level the playing field. Right now we're taking a look at our formula to see if we should even get away from the transfer piece because we're finding that uh, a lot of the public schools as well as the private schools are having transfers. And the number of transfers at the private schools are probably less than they are at the public. So we're going to look at that competition formula based on success because there is an outcry on some schools that um, keep winning and they say they're not taking transfers. They haven't been proved they're taking transfers. But because they continue to win, people think that they're upsetting competitive balance. So we got to take a look at that. Gone from four to six classifications. Uh, how do you feel that's worked? Outstanding. Because the people, uh, the schools that are, are playing, except possibly in the highest class, are playing light-sized schools of their own. And that uh, expansion has really equated and, and uh, even the playing, <clears throat> playing field from a competitive balance situation. You know, we talked about name, image, and likeness. That obviously is a challenge. What's another challenge you, you, that you know you've got to be? You've always got to be thinking about the next thing around the block after name, image, and likeness. Is there something else maybe under the radar that you need to, to make sure you're ahead of the game on? Well, I think uh, the the change, and this is a little bit down the road, Steve, but I think the way that uh, consumers take. Uh, events, whether it be television or we web streaming or audio streaming and those types of things, but that landscape is quickly changing, as you've seen. And the way that people sometimes uh, get some of our uh, our contests are changing rapidly. And I think down the road here, as you know, in wrestling, we uh, have a, quite a relationship with Flow Wrestling. That has worked yes. very well because every individual that's involved with wrestling has seen you can see every bout from team through individuals including the championships and last year they produced something like 4.6 million minutes oh. <laughs> of, oh. of, of, of time for uh, of, uh, of wrestling just in our state alone. So that says to me, people are tuning in and watching. So I, I think that's something down the road that we have to take a good look at. Always good to talk with the man in the arena. And that's you. <laughs> but, well, you're <laughs> kind. You're kind. Uh, no, you know what? When you're hey, the man this- in the arena, the, from 30,000 feet, there are a lot of people that want to, you know, oh, well. <laughs> Right. And then if once you're in the arena, you understand what you're dealing with. So that's why we talk with you. Well, you're kind. But I, I will tell you, it is different sitting here. <laughs> I mean, I, I go to the grocery store and they have all the answers for me. But that's okay. But I'd like to uh, look forward to seeing you and pay you an invite. You know our spring festival is off the ground. I'd like to thank the Penn State uh, athletic Associate, uh, Department along with the uh, Happy Valley Convention Visitors Bureau to doing everything they possibly could to get our spring festival started next spring 
and we're going to be baseball and softball two days back-to-back, and then we're going to follow it up with boys' volleyball and boys' and girls' lacrosse on Saturday. So we're really excited about that, Steve. We think we got the right place with the right facilities, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. And I think that it's going to work out great because there, there could be a potential crossover for fans, and to have everything at once, it's going to be a great draw for a lot of people. Well done. Uh, I was excited when I heard about the idea. It's great. Well, thank you. And your support, I know, was behind the scenes. But we can't thank you enough, and we'll look forward to seeing you at some of those events. And uh, maybe even uh, have uh, a, a cold soda. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Or maybe some other beverages. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> water. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Bob. I'm a Gatorade type of guy. <laughs> Gatorade guy. Bob, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for your time and for all the hard work that you and the uh, entire PAAA happens to do. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Steve. Always good to talk to you. Bob Lombardi with the PIAA with some great information about NIL, championships, the Spring Sports Festival coming here to Penn State, and so forth. Tom Hannafin's going to join us on the show tomorrow Talk about Penn State football. Believe it or not, today is an off day for uh, the Penn State football practices. They are in class. And because they're in class, you do have to have one off day a week. So that's why they today is the off day. They went uh, Monday, uh, Tuesday, and yesterday, so they'll be back at practice tomorrow and then go and practice through the weekend. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK.